The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you all. Uh, those of you who are in the Zendo and those of you who are practicing from your own space. It's nice to be able to join with you in this uh, in this Zoom land. I've been thinking and contemplating uh, impermanence uh, a lot lately. And then just this morning, I actually read an interview with uh, Joyce Carol Oates from The Times Magazine. Um, the title said, um, Joyce Carol Oates has no illusions about what lasts. Everything you think is solid is actually fleeting and ephemeral. And in the interview, she talks about conversations she had about books with her first husband. And she talks about her first students whom she adored. She doesn't remember what books she discussed with her husband or who the students were that she loved so much. She's living her life now. I think part of my own awareness um, is due to changes uh, in my life. There seem to be a lot of them. Changes at work, changes in my relationship to my work, health issues, aging. Maybe this awareness is heightened by the shift in the light that marks the end of summer, the nip of fall in the air in the morning. It may also be the awareness of the way that I'm responding to change, the way in which I find my ideas about myself and my life to which I've been strongly attached are dropping away. Things that would have caused me a lot of distress in the past, I recognize as the unfolding of my life, the manifestation of this moment, itself fleeting and ephemeral. I recognize that my attachments, my habits, even my identity are just temporary expressions, like clothes that I might wear and then put away. Of course, the Buddha taught us that impermanence is one of the three marks of existence. This understanding was also taught by the Greek philosopher Heraclitus, who said that everything flows and nothing stands still. He also said that one cannot step into the same river twice. The river changes, the person changes. What is the river? What is the person? And yet we go through our lives thinking that the things we encounter are permanent. Oh, I've seen this river before. I don't need to look at it again. So we don't see the river because the idea of the river takes the place of the river. And of course, the illusion of permanence also creates the illusion that we have control over our lives. We want control. The second mark of existence, of course, is no self. The Buddha said there is no permanent self, no fixed, identity that is me. 
Now we have the illusion of a self or a soul, a fixed identity that we identify with. Our ego conjures up a self, a permanent self, which is an illusion. I'm not the young man who went away to college. I'm not the young graduate who moved to New Jersey. I'm not the young man who buried a father and then a mother, who took Jukai. Now, in the conventional sense, I was that young man. But the five aggregates are always changing. We can't go back. It's the illusion of permanence that engenders the illusion that there's an I or a me in the first place, when there's only flowing. The third mark of existence is dukkha. Dukkha is commonly translated as suffering, but the, the meaning in the Buddhist sense is actually uh, richer and, and much more subtle than, than the word suffering. Uh, a different definition might be dissatisfaction. The Buddha was not saying that life is filled with endless torment. Not at all. He was saying that we will always experience dissatisfaction. We will welcome pleasant things, and we will avoid unpleasant things. We, we welcome the ups in life and, and fear the lows. And of course, we're dissatisfied because when we experience pleasant things, pleasant feelings, we know that they're impermanent, no matter how much we try to hang on to them. And ironically, when we experience unpleasant things, we fail to see that they're impermanent and we hang on to them. It's the illusion of a permanent self that brings us to satisfaction. We work to protect it. We build up our armor. We crave those pleasant feelings. We resist impermanence. But we won't always have pleasant feelings, and we will sometimes have unpleasant feelings. And you might say, this sucks. I don't like this deal. Let me out. And we can try to escape. But there really is no escape. This is our life. And the more that we give in to our life, moment by moment, the more that we accept impermanence, the easier in a way life will be. And so as I was contemplating impermanence, I asked myself, well, what if, what if instead we just accepted change? This is what I'm experiencing right now. And then this. Things are changing. Everything flows. The five aggregates flow. There is only flowing. What if instead of amplifying our dissatisfaction by thinking, oh, 
damn it, this always happens to me. I, I'm just not, and, and here you can fill in the blank for yourself. I'm, I'm not smart enough. I'm not respected enough. I'm not in the inner circle. I'm not attractive enough. I'm always lonely. What if instead we just saw our life as flow? There's a koan through the flowing, murmuring waters. He walks leisurely. Through the flowing, murmuring waters, she walks leisurely. Sit with this koan through the flowing, murmuring waters. Sit with, she walks leisurely. Ask yourself, who is it that walks? As I've been contemplating impermanence in my own life and obsessing about it and fretting about it, I just look up and look around and see it in the lives of everyone around me. We have a second cousin. In the last three years, she lost her father to cancer. She had a second child. She's battled cancer herself. She's been forced to change jobs. I know most of this actually through social media. Um, uh, she's of a generation that is uh, sort of uh, posts all of this stuff online. Um, but my online impression is just someone who's taking life as it comes, praying to God in her case, and just dealing with the river that flows. I have a neighborhood friend. Um, she's in her early 50s. Uh, she's a small business woman and entrepreneur um, and just recently lost her job in retail. And she's wondering, well, you know, what's next for me? I've done this and and that's over and I've done that and, and that's over and I have a lot of energy. I want to do something else, something more. What's next for me? I've been experiencing lots of changes, as I said, at work. So many changes, people going, finding new jobs, people coming. And I practice with every encounter, Buddha meets Buddha. Every encounter, Buddha meets Buddha. This is trusting the Dharma. This is flowing. Through the flowing waters, he walks leisurely. During summer, Ango, we studied Dogen's Mountains and Water Sutra. And um, I uh, apologize if you're tired of the Mountains and Water Sutra. I have to bring it back. Uh, I wish that I had had the time to study it more deeply um, during, during Ango. 
uh, and I wish that I had been able to attend uh, session longer than I was able to. I, I was only able to attend for a day, um, but I was fortunate to be there uh, for uh, Kimu's Shuso uh, Hosen ceremony, and I listened to his Dharma talk and, and Dharma dialogue. And I got to spend a few fleeting hours with, with some of you, um, with my wonderful Sangha. And in the Mountains and Water Sutra, Dogen writes, Priest Dao Ki of Mount Furong said to the assembly, The green mountains are always walking. A stone woman gives birth to a child at night. Mountains do not lack the qualities of mountains. Therefore, they always abide in ease and always walk. You should examine in detail this quality of the mountains walking. Now, I, I found I've uh, have found the the Mountains and Waters Sutra a little difficult, um, and maybe that's just because I haven't had the time to really spend with it. But one one sort of uh, tip that I can give, one trick that I found, um, is to realize that whenever you're reading Dogen, no matter how uh, difficult um, or opaque uh, uh, or abstract you might find the text to be, Dogen is always, always talking about our lives. He's always talking about our practice. So sit with this koan. The green mountains are always walking. Walk in the green mountains with this koan. Notice the quality of the light. Notice how your body feels. See yourself as the green mountains. We think of the mountains as permanent. We think that a stone woman can't give birth to a child at night. We think of ourselves as permanent. But there is only flowing. How does your life flow? How is it flowing right now? Sometimes we get bounced around a lot. We may not like that. We may not like getting bounced around a lot. Sometimes the flow is gentle. Ah, and we may settle into that gentleness. But through it all, when we're getting bounced around or when the flow is gentle, it is the flowing of our life. It's our expression. It's the expression of the universe. Dogen wrote, because green mountains walk, they are permanent. Although they walk more swiftly than the wind, someone in the mountains does not realize or understand it. In the mountains means the blossoming of the entire world. People outside the mountains do not realize or understand the mountains walking. Those without eyes to see mountains cannot realize understand, see, or hear this 
as it is. If you doubt mountains walking, you do not know your own walking. It is not that you do not walk, but you, that you do not know or understand your own walking. Since you do know your own walking, you should fully know the Green Mountains walking. Sit with this koan. The Green Mountains are always walking. Feel each footfall. Notice the quality of the light. Feel the humidity in the air, the leaves that move on the trees. Feel the flow and movement of your life and give into it. There is only this life. There is only flowing. Thank you for your practice.